Another another year. Anyone's now of, of big note for yourself uh, that stand out to you as as great ones. Whether we want to, we saw done 2010, 12, 13, more into the I think future. We, I think yeah. I think we need to go into like the later half of the uh, the later years. I don't know why, but 2017 um, is one that's sort of screaming out to me a bit. Okay. Um, yeah. I don't know if it's just because one of my uh, again one of my favorite films, uh, which did have like a really strong universal impact. Mm. Uh, was out in this year, I believe. For me, I really, I, I really want to talk about Get Out because we've talked about this mm. uh, a little bit, but I genuinely think that it is the film that made me have any form of interest in horror, which is a remarkable feat in and of itself. But yeah, also just one of the strongest social commentary films I've seen in a while. And the fact that I know that David has qualms with uh, like the actual goriness of it, but I think that's that's something that. Um, pretty much all horror is going to deal with to some extent so that's not a film specific critique mm. which so don't bring it up mm. um but just the fact that you have this situation where you have an incredibly unnerving tense atmosphere throughout the film the fact that you have you have like uh like a black character pr- like surrounded by not just the idea of like you know very very full on creepy white people you have uh, black people who still embody um those sort of values that those white people have and just the idea of why is this problem uh why is this happening you have incredibly liberal racism issues sort of address this idea of just you know overly supporting uh like black people on the virtue that they're black you know still giving them and just not addressing them as people themselves like all issues like addressed by this film brilliantly um and just the way in which they use like the hypnotic scenes of just the shots of the sinking into the couch incredible atmosphere and just like really really well done for me and it was one of the standouts for the year so yeah and um because it obviously came out quite early on as well so that uh so it came out what february of that year yeah um and there were already a movement saying like if this had just been a month earlier it could have been in contention for the oscars much sooner mm. but it's not so we're gonna have to keep drumming and hoping it gets support for the next Oscars, which it does and then it ends up winning a screenplay award exactly. which is fantastic um yeah and a great example of uh, you know rising talent in jordan peele which you know has continued his success with us um you know so yeah you know, with us uh with his remake of the twilight zone which is still yet to watch um, so yeah you know very good filmmaker and you know very credible in, in like what we said in terms of bringing diversity I think um, on reflection, like in terms of talking about like my original uh, issues after watching us, probably I wouldn't say gore so much because yeah, yeah, gore is more. But yeah, just the fact that then you get so much of the psychological and social commentary throughout that film. But then it just goes into like a sort of like, you know, chase, you know, horror fight sort of film. Um, But again, in reflection and rewatch and stuff, I think, you know, I did enjoy it a lot, a lot more. And it does hammer home things like, um, you know, the sort of like embodying of the different characters. So when you get like the 
the sort of two grandparents, etc., who saw like make an appearance, I think is is really great. Um, you know that and that year as well was very strong for your awards contenders as well. Um, a big one which I wanted to mention because you've had so many different war films that have appeared throughout the years and talked about um, specifically different or specific moments in history which several films throughout this year alone dealt with um, is uh, Dunkirk. Dunkirk. Because you've also had so many Christopher Nolan films throughout this year. So even though Inception and Interstellar were very much contenders for other years in which you know i almost put them in but like i said it was just to me was like grab you know interstellar was very much going on that space thing that gravity did um and i think a lot of the action elements of inception while credible is still you know is it the you know the absolute peak of storytelling not sure but dunkirk that's where i think that he really is massively brings in the idea that he has lots of different elements going on. He has that great soul, like technical elements to his films. Um, and also like his soul, like uh, desaturated and sort of like dull look to this film really adds to that sort of like wartime um, era. Um, but also just giving you like a sort of rare moment of, um, of joy in a Christopher Nolan film when you have that sort of like great moment with the music um, so it becomes very eclectic when the boats are arriving at Dunkirk. Um, you have some great moments with Tom Hardy, like up in the sky. You have some fantastic aerial sequences in that film. Um, you get the great like boat stuff as well with that guy who sort of like injured himself. So I think that this film really works on lots of different levels. It's a real experience. Um, again, was you know it was a big film when it was out for things like IMAX and 70 millimeter film. Um, and yeah, has got some great performances in and in it, and and really has sort of like, you know, lived up to its reputation af- afterwards as well. I think. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think as well on a very technical sort of storytelling level, I think one of the things I loved about Dunkirk was its ability to shape expectations based on the fact that a lot of the film is told out of order. Yeah, and I think that drums up like a lot of tense uh like tension for the film because of that so the fact that you see uh you see fl- uh planes in one shot like flying over and like bomb uh, and bombing mm. uh bombing something but then later on in the film you're waiting for like salvation to come but then you see those same planes come again and you just realize oh that's what we've already oh no yeah it's just a sense of panic also just because obviously the big one of the big comparisons for that year was between that and the darkest hour just a film that much better uses is the famous winston churchill's speech right at the end where they're playing that dramatic music mm. and they're playing that speech of like we will fight them on the beaches mm. um and just watching that all rally uh, rally together just incredible culmination of the film um it was again it was one of my like personal favorites in terms of what i wanted to win best picture but also very deserving in law of the technical categories. Oh yeah, it was well, easily yeah. it was easily going to win like technical elements. Like it won sound design, didn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like it was always going to win that. Yeah. Um another another war film but completely different uh which I saw pinpointed for that year even though again this is from um a franchise and you could argue for other um films in this franchise. I did pick out War of the Plant of the Apes as my personal favorite purely just because we were talking um, earlier about like closing out franchises. And I think just that the fact that they closed out this trilogy so well 
Um, that's just why I wanted to highlight this. So even though I think Dawn of the Planet of the Apes has some great elements in it and um, maybe has a lot of better sort of sequences than War, I did still have to really appreciate what a powerhouse of a film this is for Andy Serkis as a character. Mm-hmm. Um, again, spoilers for the end of the film if you haven't seen it, but, you know, the sort of, like, um, death that we see of Caesar was really iconic, I feel. Again, fantastic sto- score from Michael Giacchino. Um, really memorable, really nice to listen back to, and really gives you that sort of wintry, snow-falling feel that they give you throughout the film. Um, and it's great also, again, ending the film on that high of seeing like Maurice and the other apes. Um, you sort of really have that pitted battle of um, Caesar versus... Woody Harrelson. Woody Harrelson's character. Um, and yeah, I think there was a lot of like enjoyable elements, such as the sort of like the talking ape, um, and the sort of prison escape sequence was all quite fun. Um, you got like the different type, of, you know, you you got like your typical traits of the, the apes films where you got like your orangutans and your baby monkeys and your gorillas all having their like um, jobs to do and the different strengths of those characters. And yeah, I just really appreciated how they made this very much like a kind of like a Logan of apes in the sense that like it was like, you know, Caesar was this all like lone character of this film. Um, and really saw made it like a really artistic and beautiful film yeah i think that's my problem with the film um you're definitely right to say that it is a logan uh of that universe i think for me i wanted something a bit more climactic and i wanted something a bit more certain yeah i think that's my big problem with the film is that it still wasn't sure that the you know that the apes had completely taken over so when you then see the idea of like you know the original shuttle like coming back Mm. Um, it didn't feel warranted to me that that was necessarily going to be like the idea of control. I was ex- I was still expecting something a bit more climactic in terms of the battle because the one major battle we see between like you know forces tends to be like it was that still very low scale and I think yeah that dampened the film for me. So I naturally enjoy something like say rise a bit uh, rise a bit more because. Um, because again, like the idea of like you know seeing how these apes developed in the first place is is something that's naturally more interesting to me. Yeah, and you um, literally see them like throwing spears and stuff on the the bridge and everything. Yeah. You actually see humans versus apes a lot. Yeah, you more, see. Yeah, of. so it, that felt more apocalyptic in a sense, uh, yeah. which war sort of didn't for me. But I completely understand. Yeah. Um, no, I do agree for a film called War, the Planet of the Apes. It's not a war. Four, no. It's not a war. So. Yeah. So this is the one time that I will give credit to the studio, but I also think Wonder Woman is um, a credible, uh, noteworthy film. Just because yeah. even though at the time you're like, oh yeah, that's a decent origin story, it, it really has you know stuck with me and stayed with people ever since because people are really excited about the new film. The new trailer really made like a big impact on social media. And I think it is because like... There's really fantastic sequences in that film. There's also, again, we've talked about music scores. You know, we, we've said about how divisive the Wonder Woman theme is and that. But, but the I, actual, like, score around it is perfectly fine. Yeah, and, you know, there's a video online which do, uh, does a great job of showing how, um, I think it's Henry Gregson Williams, takes that um, theme that uh, Zimmer made and sort of, like, brings it subtly in throughout the film. So, they like, he does it, like, slowly, slowly until he builds yeah. it up for that big action sequence. And that's what makes this stand out for me. So even though the end can be a bit of a sore CGI fest, I think there's such heart and character in this film, which so many other uh, big blockbusters miss out, especially DC films, 
but they really make you sort of love this character. You've got Chris Pine, who's always so charismatic, as we discussed in Star Trek films, but have great moments The like, you know, where she takes the ice cream. I still love that. Like, you know, you should be proud of this. And but also that running through the trenches, you know, I think that is such a good scene. And, you know, I've watched it several times since and like listened to the soundtrack from it. And it, it is fantastic. Patty Jenkins went into that film with such a vision and she just executed it brilliantly. And I think even though, like I said, the villain is a bit lackluster, I think actually having that set in the World War One, even though I was a bit like, oh, they're just trying to do a, a marvel of setting it in the time of Captain America, World War Two, But actually, once I saw that, that trenches scene, I think that completely convinced me is a fantastic sequence. Yeah, absolutely. Um, also, just giving, finally giving like credence to the idea that a female superhero f- film can work. Yeah. Because that was something that was just banded about for ages in the idea that it wouldn't work. That's why for a while, even though many people wanted it and we're only now going to be getting it in 2020, the idea of the Black Widow film, mm. it just didn't take off. So the fact that I will give DC credit for the fact that they did pull it they did pull it off and just being an okay film was enough to basically make it an amazing film because of mm. what it actually means in terms of hey guys this can be financially viable yeah it's kind of like iron man in the sense you're like oh that was a good film but it's just the more you 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 sort of think about it the more you like you realize what works so well about it and why it works yeah. as an origin film and i also think it's really stand out in terms of like a lot of the times these superhero films cannot stand out because they don't make the character that unique. But I think they do a really good job of making Wonder Woman unique in that she's not just this brawler. They use the rope in such a light and yeah. great vivid way. You've got this glowing rope that she like whips around everywhere. So they make her quite unique opposed to your sort of like Captain Marvel or Superman and that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I, I think that was, that was a big one from that year. Another quick one I want to shout out is Lady Bird. Of, as well on you know Greta Thump, uh, Greta not Greta, Greta Fun- Gerwig did a great job with um, we do not think that Greta Thunberg was making films at that she's age she's far too busy um, yeah another great film for uh, diversity showing like Timothy Chalamet as well as a great actor but also um, Saoirse Ronan um, a great film to epitomise school high school time you know the emotions you go through that they make a fantastic relationship with the mother and daughter in that. And there's just a lot of relatability in that film. And I think um, hopefully uh, Greta Gerwig will be a lot more recognised for Little Women or some film in the future for the Oscars. But a Lady Bird at least still had that that Best Picture nomination. So that film as well really sort of stood out to me and is, is, is really funny and really, really poignant for its, its dramatic moments. And like we said earlier about Silver Linus Playbook, it shows about how comedy and drama can work so well to make things dramatic and you can feel those moments because they are slightly funny and slightly, you know, realistic, etc. Um, yeah, absolutely. I think, I think as well, just... There's a lot of understated moments with that film as well. Like, I remember... Because it's basically a break, like a breakdown of like all of her relationships and like going through and just, mm. they were like, it's such realism and like to so, certain scenes that other films would give such poignance to. Like I think the scene where she like, you know, loses a virginity was just done in a very, very quick, awkward sort of sense. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah. does bring in like a lot of that humour and also just the relatability, like why Lady Bird is so, so effective. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, I genuinely really enjoyed the film. Like, in terms of like when you're comparing like everything from the deck uh, from the decade, yeah, um, 
it's hard to say it's hard to say that it like makes the most impact but mm. it's definitely you know it's definitely a, a good start for uh Greta Gerwig yeah and I'm intrigued to see how little um how little women does yeah uh, on the back of that yeah um and even like I said when you're looking at the at that year but yeah for for the decades you know like I said maybe can get a bit more lost um I think definitely we need to go to 2014 off the back of some of those conversations unless there's anything else you had from 2017 but um I all I was going to acknowledge is that you like greatest showman is the thing that obviously comes out right at the end of 2017 and basically massively impacts yeah uh uh 2018 Mm. um so that was fun yeah um again like have whatever opinions you want about it like again it's one of those things where like cultural impact alone Mm. uh just cements its place and also just does does bring back the idea of like the movie musical in ways that la la land tried but didn't quite get to in terms of Mm uh lambastic nature yeah um and even just like visually like so we've talked a lot about like how moments and stuff can stand out to you and yeah. those like films of the decade even though you watch the entire film and the story of it might not be the greatest you can still look back on it and remember that sort of vividness of like the circus scenes and the tightrope uh song that like you know zach efron and yep. uh, zendaya have etc um, and the great like sort of like from now on all of those moments like still sort of like oh well yeah those are great movie moments you know despite like what it might work as as a film and again seeing it like I mentioned before in the sing-along you can see how much it resonates with people and stuff then yeah absolutely um, but yeah I, I sort of wanted to go on to 2014 because like I said we talked a lot there about awards contenders um, and big franchises and like I said we mentioned Thor Ragnarok but this is also the year the Guardians of the Galaxy came out Um so yeah i'll use that opportunity to talk about why i think to me that stands out as um potentially one of my favorite mcu films i think even though as well as much as i enjoy the avengers films it's still hard to not give credit to those films the work on their own without having to watch any of the films so i think guardians i love guardians 2 and again it's a toss-up for me which one i prefer but i have to highlight guardians 1 as the one of the decade because i think you can still watch it on its own without watching any other films and it still works perfectly fine i think thanos works quite well into the film as well with it again not having to know much about him but how much it changed the conversation like you said this the other day when we were talking about trailers you know you said like oh the Hans Zimmer era of trailers with the Star Trek one and then Guardians of the Galaxy completely changed everything and I think the same could be said for movies you know like Suicide Squad would not be the film it was if it wasn't for Guardians of the Galaxy they're like oh let's just throw a bunch of songs into a film and make it work no you need to like link them into the script like James Gunn does and actually have them be a part of the story which I think volume two does better but again you can't deny that like the cast walk into cherry bomb is like one of the like iconic moments of like the past decade also it's such a film that on paper people argued about whether or not it would work and it just does yeah it no more than does it just blows it out of the water the fact that you have such strong moments you have uh you have like the arrow scene and just the fact that it's been it's been like foreshadowed throughout and you're wondering well how powerful is this arrow and it turns out to be one of akin to one of the most dangerous weapons out there you have a talk you have a talking tree yeah. who could only say i am groot and a yeah. raccoon and everyone's like this is never gonna work nobody's gonna take this seriously you have a film which has a cameo from howard the duck yeah and the fact that 
moments that are built up. You have like the I am Groot, like when he uses his branch and like he like hits around those enemies and yeah. stuff. But you've got so many iconic moments as well in terms of like baby Groot dancing at the end of the film. Um, you know, you've got like Rocket like kicking grass and getting angry. You've got loads like I think the action sequences from that film really stand out. Like Nebula, like I think without you know she wouldn't have had such a good role as she did in Endgame and Infinity War if it wasn't for the Guardians films. And again, that's why I love about Volume Two is that they flesh out those characters. But again, you just need to give like credit to Volume One if you want to call it that. It's just um, the fact that you you have a band. You basically have like a band of like a band of uh, criminals and uh, reprobates just coming together, becoming heroes, is essentially doing what Suicide Squad tried and failed to do. Yeah. But also just the fact you just have a a series of characters, like you have perfect comic foils to each other. The fact that you have a series of of kids uh, like looking at Drax thinking like, yes, I understand the Mm -hmm. sort of trials you go through in terms of literally interpreting everything. Yeah, yeah. Uh, You have like, you have like people like getting behind Gamora in a in a in a big way. Yeah. Um, so you have people who yeah who have new heroes to look to because there's like those alternate heroes to look at now. I think also visually, I think like a lot of the criticism that MCU can have is that they can sort of look like carbon copies or they can have yeah. that MCU look. So the costumes and everything look kind of similar. But again, I think James Gunn has such a vision with these films, and I think the the digital and VFX work that they do on these films is what makes it look so good is that they have a really bold look to them and that's what stands out to me when they're on the different planets they really stand out and you know if you were to look at star wars and guardians even though they're both set in space both have different aliens and stuff like that you know they're both very strikingly completely different even though they've got like similar attributes and i think that's again testament to james gunn um and the marvel team for having faith in in that film it's just that, that you know that's one of the big things yeah the film like, up like the only major weakness of the film is something that's shared across the majority of the mcu which is the fact that uh like the villain is the, yeah ron yeah ronan is not particularly interesting no. like his his best scene is where he's looking at peter cool dancing and just going what are you doing exactly but but when you look at it back on like great highlights of the decade that's yeah. what makes me think that it does still work so good as a film because even though you're not yeah, judging like it as what are the best villains or the best films but like having that dance off scene is again you know great yeah you know, so oh yeah absolutely but i know there's from 2014 there's definitely a film that you are going to want to talk about craig yep and that absolutely. is absolutely uh the lego movie so. <laughs> right i'm saying i'm saving it up yeah I'm okay. saving it up there are other films to talk about okay right but yeah, we are up. saving it right okay uh, yeah, no, I, I genuinely wanted to talk about the Lego movie because yeah. I think, again, if we're going to look at A, strong Chris Pratt performances, two, films that on paper shouldn't have worked, yeah. but absolutely do, mm. I think Lego movie is an absolute game changer when it comes to animated films because everyone everyone thought it was just going to be a massive cash grab. And what was it? It was genuinely complex, uh, like funny, innovative uh, like the animation style really worked. Like really worked. It was like the most different sort of animation. The fact that they literally it just looked stock motion. Yeah. But it's not. It's just such loving care. But also just the fact they had like a much deeper message that anyone would have given it credit for. The idea of just like holding on to childhood innocence and just how that portrayed itself in that in the story like played out by the boy with the Lego. It was just fantastic. It was just absolute fun ride. And also just made me happy to just feel a bit childish the fact that lots of the sound effects is just a boo 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 yeah. boo well again it, it, 
like Guardians of the Galaxy, it's making yourself stand out and be different. And that's what that does brilliantly because there are so many animated films. Um, and that's what the Lego movie does brilliantly is that it makes it visually stand out, yeah. audibly stand out. Um, but also stand out in terms of like its ideas and its jokes and its story, etc. Yeah, absolutely. Um, is there anything else from 2014 you want to bring up? I did want to mention Selma. Um, because yeah. I think that, again, we're talking about like great directors. Unfortunately, Ava DuVernay has not really had a great moment since Selma, which I think is just mad because when you saw that, you're like, oh, she's going to be the next big thing. And Jordan Peele has had that moment, but unfortunately she had like Wrinkle in Time and she was going to do um, Black Panther, but dropped out. Yeah. So she will get her day one day, I hope, because Selma is such a fantastic film, and I'll still never forget my react. Like, that opening scene is still... Just the explosion, yeah. Yeah, it actually, like, the way that that's all, like, rattles through you at the beginning, rattles through the 10 years to me, like, you're like, bloody hell. And we talked about biopics and, like, characters like um, Philomena Lee, um, and you get, like, um, Alan... Uh, Alan Turing in uh, The Imitation Game. But you can say Alan Cummings. Yeah. Alan I C- cannot wait to watch that film. <laughs> yeah. um, Alan the true Cumming- coming of age story. Yeah. Alan Cummings as Alan Turing. No. Um, yeah, the fact that you get such a fantastic performance depicting Martin Luther King, I think they weren't able to use his speeches because they were like trademarked or copyrighted yeah. or something. So then the fact that like I was watching that film thinking like, oh wow, you can really see why he was such a great speech maker because they have such good speeches. And I was like, oh, those weren't the actual speeches. Then wow, well done to the script team and how good are the actual speeches then? But yeah, again, a film that works on so many different levels of having um, the importance of like a cultural movement, making a political statement, and not even one that's like, it's like Spotlight. It's not like the biggest, it's not like, you know, a film about 9-11 or something. Like, let's talk about the biggest thing that ever happened yeah. to shake the world. Like, no, let's talk about this like small thing that happened in Selma and talk about why that's important and why it's an example of like the wider conversation. Because it's definitely, yeah, I think it's definitely a story that deserves to be told because I think everyone remembers the actual speech made at Selma. Yeah but not what it meant to get there in the first place. Yeah, and that's a lot of the trap falls of other biopics they made in the past is, oh, well, let's talk about this entire guy's life and then yeah. you just end up skimming over things. So to take Martin Luther King and go, well, let's do a depiction of this man through this one incident, I think works a lot better. Absolutely, yeah. Um, so, yeah, but obviously your your pick. It's time at last. To finally talk about Whiplash, y'all. So this is the actual, like, song. Yeah, absolutely. Whiplash, favourite film of all time. Um, There is not enough time for me to talk about this film in, like, the absolute depth I want to, but... I mean, here goes. First of all, just the actual sound design of the film, just the the music score, like, the jazz uh, theme throughout is just absolutely fantastic. And also, like, used to such great effect. So, obviously, because you have, like, different forms of jazz. Uh, I, I still remember vividly, like, one of the opening set pieces, which is, uh, which is like, Andrew Neiman, like, kind of ru- uh, running to a class or running home. And it has that... And just the, the, the chaotic news. But you also have, like, the very quiet, somber moments of jazz. The fact that it's used very well uh, throughout the film, uh, like, the music. And also just as an ending... 
genuinely one of the most tense endings, something like akin to sort of Avengers level climax tension throughout. And what it is, is a man playing a drum solo. Like that's how tense the entire thing is. That's how like, that's how strong the emotional investment in the performance uh, of this particular piece is to the um, is at this point that we want him to succeed so much because he's been he's been through so much like you know like torture and abuse in terms of perfecting his own craft that uh, we care that we want him to actually you know get this uh, get this solo perfect and make sure that it you know basically does meet the level of perfection he has and it's something that and like there's a lot of of under, uh undersold moments i think because one moment that I, I i quote a lot um is the is the dinner scene with the family where the family are making a big deal about the fact that uh one of the fam one of the cousins is going to be like uh he's going to be a f- uh playing football for a particular team but then un- completely overlooking uh andrew's uh achievements with his drumming and uh with his band and just the discussion about like the nature of success and what it means to be successful um, like it was just fan like it's just something that resonated a lot with me because of uh, my own relations with uh, my own pastimes and like what is now basically my career right yeah. um uh, that sort of interaction and relationship also just the performances like jk simmons absolutely destroyed it and deserved that os- uh, deserved that oscar uh terence fletcher is still one of my favorite characters in, mo- in in films of all time just because the degree to which he's willing to push people to success is just terrifying and just like mm. the screaming and like the, the level of insults. I mean, we, we both appreciate how much I love insults, right? Yeah. Like they're incredible. Uh, they're incredible dial uh, pieces of dialogue. Mm. Um, like I can literally recite a lot of his insults. Um, that's how iconic a lot of them are. And just, and just also, I, I love the way that the film is edited as well. Like, it really makes a lot of the, like, you, uh, like, distinct moments of playing instruments seem incredibly exciting. It has a very fast pace to the editing that seems to elevate the sound in a really strong way. And just this, oh, just so many elements of this film that I genuinely enjoy. And, like, just every time I still get, I still get chills from watching it and just seeing, like, the power, like, the power of, like, the interactions like the philosophy of success and there's the fact as well that you can look at the ending in either as an incredibly triumphant or an or or morally devastating way depending on how you view this and i just i just love that about the film and it's just no film that i've seen certainly not in this decade let alone films i've seen before have accurately changed the way that i view a large amount of life and i think that's what often defines somebody's favorite film like the way in which it makes them see things on a different way whiplash is that film for me and yeah i know i'm i mean i'm thankful for you for making me go and see it because yeah. we had no intention of seeing it uh you suggested going uh uh dale and i were just like we don't really know anything about this film we hadn't even seen the trailer yeah it was which a case I think, of like oh it's just this film about drumming and you expect this kind of like you know, true life story about, you know, this guy who like is determined to learn the drums, but it's like, no, this film is about... It's emotionally intense. And and that's what's great about it to me as well is that I don't look back on it and go, oh, that's a film about drumming. You know, it's not like I... You look back on it and think of it like you look at Cool Running. It's like, oh, that's a film about Bob saying. It's like, no, like it's a film that is like, is about, 
you know, over obsession and determination and, you know, dealing with very intense people um, yeah. and intense situations. And I think that's what's interesting as well is when I've watched it with other people since is that, you know, people was like, oh, like, I didn't like the characters in that. They were, you know, they, they I didn't like them. And it's like, well, that's what's great about it is, yeah. that, you know, you don't have to like them. And in some ways, like Miles uh, Teller might be playing a character that you don't like, but that's not to say that the actual character or person is an unlikable person. It's just that the, he's in that stage of his life in which maybe years later he would go, oh, I was an absolute dick at that time. So I don't judge it on the actual character. It's I not just, even the case of he is like the like the ultimate dick. Yeah. It is a case of he's pushed that he's pushed that way because of the way he's being taught, right? Yeah. Um I think that's something you definitely uh, you definitely can see um if you watch the original short film. Yeah. Um he definitely comes across like a like a very naive child who's basically thrust into this world in which you have to adapt quickly. Yeah. And you have to take on that aggressive a sort of aggressive stance. Yeah, I think the fact that it's made like we said with Jordan Peele etc it's made such a name for Damien Chazelle in terms of like like we said with uh, Greta Gerwig and um, Ava DuVernay for Selma, having that as like your sort of breakthrough project is not a bad way to start off. And I think La La Land does some great things. I think that First Man um, was like, you know, unfortunate that I wasn't given more recognition. But again, it's, it's the, it is hard to reach the heights the Whiplash does. And I find it annoying though that a lot of people know uh, Chazelle more for La La Land than Whiplash. Because mm. it definitely seemed like Whiplash... For me, hit perfection, but for many people is considered the, oh yeah, it was essentially like the stepping stone going towards the film that he really wanted to make, which was the full-blown musical with La La Land. Mm. I and guess that just irritates me. I guess it's just the kind of same thing you'd get with your Scorsese's or Spielberg's, you know, like as much as like they'd want to be remembered for Schindler's List, Jurassic Park is the more popular yeah. or, or, you know, glitzy film. Um, but yeah, and I think, you know, thank, thank God for that film, for bringing J.K. Simmons back into our lives as well. You know, we were mentioning Avatar before, you know, great as Tenzin, but I always loved him as J.K. Uh, as J. Jonah, Jonah Jameson. Jameson. Um, but yes, yeah, such a powerful performance in that. And again, gives you what is so good about that film is about having like a real intimidating character. And you really understand where Miles Teller character is coming from because of that intensity you get from him, but also just downright sometimes funny lines as well. Yeah. And also just the fact that in terms of star power, like it's... It's J.K. Simmons and uh, Miles Teller that basically drive the film. But there's not just... Yeah. In terms of like performances, they're the only ones worth talking about. But it's not a performance-driven film. No. Because everything about the film works. Like the cinematography, the fact that there's really dark environments at times. Because uh, obviously you're, you're often dealing with like uh, auditoriums, which are often pitch black apart from the light on the stage, which yeah. still, still maintains a really dark feeling to the film. Um, and when you get those close-ups of like his hands like bloody and you get the sweat hitting the symbols yeah. and stuff like that like that's really iconic I think the, and just the fact that Miles Teller went through the effort of learning how to drum so he could ensure that those shots were as meticulous as yeah, possible you'd have to I suppose and I think the jazz is a character in itself as well for the film and that's what's so good about it as well like how many times have we walked into our local cinema and heard like the, you know the soundtrack being played yeah and i think that's such a big part of it which again you don't get in much you know representation of that genre in in film which is you know also important to note and sort of like the similar as you might come away from biopic like oh i didn't know that you know you come away going oh i didn't realize there's so much involved in like jazz you know etc so yeah you know I, yeah 
def- definitely deserving of like one of the films of the decade um and yeah like sums up 2014 i think for really having some standout ambitious films yeah it's just a shame that it had to it had to lose out to birdman yeah i think the when that year came it was again it was a technical thing but it's it's funny then that so look back on it and go well again as much as i give that film credit at the time and i still give it credit now it's, i can't say oh it's it's the film of you know it's one of the films of the decade here's the because, thing i hear nobody talking about Birdman no, anymore. i think it's because it's such a technical achievement that it's just it's not a film as yeah. an achievement it's just the technical thing of it so yeah it is basically just a play put to film in yeah. a sense and a, a one shot which you know we'll see how 1917 does in terms of trumping it or not <laughs> talking about our more recent years we might have talked about a lot of these films recently as well and in this episode so just sort of uh quickly go through them i think we mentioned about how joker has made a big impact Mm -hmm. it's hard to talk about 2019 in terms of the decade because we haven't had much time to digest how they've sat in as the decade but i saw just not it joked it joked it jotted down uh joker toy story 4 and endgame because of those elements that we said before that you know that they're they're part of big franchises or they're part of things that are iconic toy story 4 mainly went in for me because of the how much they again you mentioned toy story 3 was great for animation which i totally agree with and i just felt the toy story 4 i was just still amazed by how they could make that shop look like a real antique shop and i could see dust and reflections amazingly yeah but that's about all i would give it value for yeah uh, i i still have like major problems with like aspects of the story um as well as the fact that you know as a toy story film it doesn't really follow much of much of the cast that we love no sort of sideline them a bit too much but again looking at the year as a whole i'm still like considering we've had things like lion king and aladdin and you know cats and all these other remakes and stuff like that that's where it stood out a bit more for me because of that i don't know like there are definitely there are definitely small smaller films i feel feel are stronger so i think films like us and blinded by the light yeah deserve it a lot more which is why i wouldn't want to discuss toy story 4 no no uh like definitely personally for me blinded by the light and us would be more prevalent it's just again i just felt that um, until I've seen like awards contenders yeah. and stuff like that, I've just sort of put the big staple cultural films in there as the ones that stood out for me. Because, like I said, Joker, that end scene with the talk show, yeah, was absolutely, such, such a big moment. End game for encapsulating an entire ten years of storytelling, and like I said, the animation quality of Toy Story Four is why I've mentioned those. Um, any other things you wanted to mention? No, of I can't. Uh, not of twenty nineteen, no. Um, 2018 um again same sort of like path i think you know infinity war was still of note for like how it sets up such a roller coaster of a film in so many action set pieces and so vividly fun yeah um bringing together that cast for the first time black panther like we said if you know similar to get out in what it does and you said earlier about having like a largely black cast and also having an mcu film that really has a great story at his heart in in the sort of and also and stuff. yeah and also a fantastic villain yeah exactly which is is rare um vice which we've mentioned before which is always fun again fantastic score fantastic political intrigue and also the docudrama which is quite different as well which, yeah you know we get to experience and also has that element of like I said with things like whiplash of like giving you a character and really examining them to the point in which they show you the character's heart at the end of the film 
Oh, um, that speech is still one of the best speeches yeah. I've seen in a while. And uh, also for me, like I mentioned this again before, was Can You Ever Forgive Me? So I feel like going off the back of other films we mentioned, like Philomena and um, Selma and Spotlight, this again works so well on the intimacy level and this all like digging into the character, understanding their motivations um really like embedding yourself in the emotions and the setting of new york etc so you know big big props to that film as well one i felt as well like we mentioned before was kind of like a met year was 2011 yeah so we'll because i feel that the one year that's left i think is quite notable so i'll mention um my big film from that year was the help Okay. Um, I still I, haven't seen The Help, so I can't comment. No. But, but I've heard nothing but good. It's a beautiful film. The fact that it has so many emotional moments, things that will get you blubbering because, like, Viola Davis does a fantastic job, but also other people in that film do just amazing work. And even though sometimes it can appear as one of those sort of, like, book adaptations that is a bit soft and nicey, vivid, it still touches on those elements of segregation and, um, you know, like class um which then ground it a lot more in reality and there's even like we've mentioned with other films dropping in other elements which aren't like they're packing loads of things in it's it's told in a really effective way having things like child loss and things like that which are like fantastic emotional moments in the film um hugo i just jotted down because again i felt it was like a nice celebration of film bringing up george melee in a scorsese film that was quite different and it was again one of the more successful sort of 3d films and also the harry potter ending um, we talked about uh, avengers or starting that entire mcu so i thought it was of note that um harry potter and the deathly hallows part two ending that entire series yeah, of films which we saw like in the space of a week which was quite a cinematic experience as well seeing a harry potter film like every day for like two weeks and then rounding it off with a great accumulation of that story by showing you know the gray music of john williams having like voldemort snape have all those stories told and people still latch onto that and love those films and their franchise um, not so much maybe Fantastic Beasts, but that's what still holds Harry Potter together so strong um, in what they managed to achieve there. What I would say about 2011 is I think there are films that I would happily be able to talk about if I'd been able to see them, but there are some mm. films that I think get talked about ever so slightly in like you know public discussions that I just haven't seen, so I can't comment on them. Yeah. Films like Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, the fact that you've also got... Um, the help obviously i still haven't seen um mm. the artist i still need to properly see moneyball i still yeah. absolutely need to see well that's why i felt there was still a May year so even for me where i saw like the artist again i felt that was a bit like a birdman is that like i didn't find that it was like a film of the decade because it, you still at the end of the day you still have to go well they're still just paying tribute to those films of the silent era so i can't I can't say that it's like an amazing film of the decade because it's it's piggybacking so much off. Yeah. Like I love what they do about the like sound coming in later, etc. But again, I didn't find that it it makes the entire film amazing. Like we've talked about with Whiplash and all these other films that have so many different elements. It's yeah. Just that it hinders on that one element so much. Uh, Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. Honestly, I wasn't that impressed by uh, it was great like you've got to give it a high rating because it's a really intriguing film. But again, I didn't find that I was like bowled over by it. Um, but yeah, that's why I just wanted to sort of like round off with 2016. Even though we've talked about so many awards contenders and stuff like that, 
Um, I think it's just worth noting that here I couldn't pick like a standout film of the year because there's just three films I find so encapsulate what's great about big budget films these days and elements that we've talked about before. So even though we've gone through a lot of awards contenders and stuff here, there isn't one that stood out for me in this year. Um, But the three films that I chose were Captain America, Civil War, Zootopia and Deadpool. I couldn't choose between any three of those films because I found that they all changed the game so much. I think that Zootopia did fantastic things like we've talked about, having great animation and vivid storytelling, but also just having a completely different story and doing so right by having representation and the entire thing with like, you know, some people might say it's a bit on the nose, but again... I think it was really important to tell that story at that time. Be like, you know, let's talk about these people, like, you know, why a bunny officer can't, you know, be in the police force. That kind of metaphor is fantastic. And again, I I still talk about like to this day about like how emotional that's all like end got me in terms of the fact that like Nick gets that position I found was really endearing. Deadpool, again, like I, I categorize it within that Thor Ragnarok Guardians. It wouldn't have happened if those, if, that sort of like trend wasn't started so maybe Thor Ragnarok wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for Deadpool or Guardians Deadpool wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for Guardians and Guardians wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for Avengers and Iron Man so I find that those three films really do um, epitomize or like ambitious comic book out there comedy storytelling and then Civil War like I said even though a lot of people still put Winter Soldier as one of their highlights, I think from 2014, I still, I, I love Wind Soldier. I think it's fantastic, but I still feel the Civil War builds on that film and elevates every element of Winter Soldier so Absolutely. much. And for somebody who wasn't the biggest fan of Age of, Age of Ultron, I admit it was good, but yeah. it wasn't quite what I was expecting. This was essentially, even though it's a Captain America film, mm. this was the Avengers film that I was essentially waiting for. Something yeah. with like, like, relatively personal stakes um just powerful moments and just really believable strong ways of just building on like the on the world in which they have just the fact that they finally acknowledge the idea of like the um like the accidental destruction that they cause yeah like the people caught in the crossfire of their conflicts and the fact that they build upon it in a really strong way yeah civil war was definitely like one of my like standouts for that year i think it might have even been the top of my list yeah uh that year and massive fan of zootopia and deadpool as well Mm. um the only film i'd probably add to that um just in terms of like personal uh, again personal impact um was a monster calls um Mm. it had again it was just an adaptation which just one of the best child actors i've ever i've ever seen and somebody i want i'm eagerly waiting to come back um but just the, again the way it approached the story just looking at a really difficult topic of a mother dying with cancer mm. um just in a really sensitive like fantastical way by looking at like how you approach problems using those stories um criminally underrated film that i and just also very realistic as well is that you know you watch it and like yeah i think we said at the time like are they going there are they saying that this is what the message of the film is and you're like oh wow they are and like it's again so yeah. ambitious for being able to tell that which you wouldn't have had like years ago i don't think um and again also the animation the you know that they bring into it and the the monster itself fantastic use of things like you know 2d animation and stuff like that and liam neeson so. yeah um yeah definitely like uh, that would be a massive highlight for me as well um and also I, I just wanted to add when we were saying about civil war as well i think what 
also uh, works for me if we weren't to mention any of the Marvel films in say talking about the entire decade I think why Civil War works as well is because as much as you can have fun with the Avengers teaming up and everything like that I still think that Civil War does such a fantastic job because it introduces Black Panther yeah. Spider-Man while also having all those characters you've had before and doing a pretty good job of carrying on from Age of Ultron which introduced about four or five characters itself as well yeah. so having Vision Wanda also play a big role and that's why I would say that even if it was pitted against something like Endgame, I would maybe, you know, go towards that. Um, so, yeah, I, I think those are four very deserving films. Um, yeah, and, and that obviously, like I said, that was the only other one you added to 2016. So yeah. I've sort of jotted down what I felt were the ones that we've sort of, like, agreed on um, or were of highlight for different genres, okay. which I feel which should go into the movie vault. Uh, the only ones I haven't included was just the ones we saw breeze through. Okay. Um, I don't know if you agree, but maybe 2011, just because we felt there no, was a there's, there's year. nothing there. I think Harry Potter, if we were going to, we would talk about a Harry Potter episode, which yeah. is the best of the series. Um, and again, 2019 is whether there's, you know, it's too soon to say. Well, I mean, it's hard to evaluate a cultural impact when it hasn't fully embedded itself yeah. in culture. Um, 2018, I said maybe Vice or Black like, Panther, would you say? I think both. Yeah. like different reasons so and then 2016 would you say well well we i'll go through what i've got so far as whether okay. we want to go as far as putting all four of them in so i felt the black swan uh 2010 avengers uh 2012 yeah. um 21 jump street philomena yeah gravity mm-hmm. uh hunger games i put a question mark next to um, Guardians of the Galaxy, yep. Selma, Whiplash, Mad Max, Spotlight, Inside Out, Toy Story 3, Dunkirk. I put a question mark next to Wonder Woman and then I've just jotted down Vice and Black Panther. But yeah, I don't know. Hunger Games, do you feel maybe again that would be a different conversation? I think it's the... a different conversation. Yeah. Um, uh, same with, I don't know, Wonder Woman? I think Wonder Woman there put it uh, there for yeah. cultural impact. I think of the ones I've mentioned... Um, Monster Calls maybe would you want to see in there or I'd be interested to see it there I also think I also mentioned Lego Movie but are we putting in Civil War Deadpool Um, I think definitely Civil War yeah Civil Civil War and Zootopia definitely yeah Um, yeah Deadpool like I said maybe not I, I think it's like an I think I it's, it I, think it's a, a film, I think but. it's a film that everybody wanted to see made and but it's one of those films that once it was made everybody talked about it for a bit and then there have been other things that have been able to be more extreme and then yeah. it's sort of taken over. You can say if you were looking at like the best comic book films it'd be in there but whether yeah. it's just again the best films of all time maybe not. So it's also very reliant on a series of factors which I think a lot of people could miss. Do you also put in Endgame just for the the, the Oh Endgame I think needs to go in yeah. Yeah. So, um, and that was it for what the ones you jotted down. Was it like Lego Movie? I'm not sure with Monster Calls. Like I said, it, it is great. Yeah. But I just don't know if it's, again, had a, as big an impact or you could say the entire decade that stands out. I think it's a great film. Don't get me wrong. But that's why I just feel that all the ones that we've we've mentioned or agreed on, um, so like Black Swan. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's mode, fine. Both made an impact. So... Uh, going into the movie vault this week is our biggest amount of films ever, but we are talking about an entire decade. So, 
Black Swan, Avengers, 21 Jump Street, Philomena, Gravity, Guardians of the Galaxy, Selma, Whiplash, Mad Max Fury Road, Spotlight. Do you want to take the other half? Inside Out, Toy Story 3, Dunkirk, Wonder Woman, Vice, Black Panther, Lego Movie, Civil War and Endgame. All of these films go into the movie vault. It is more full than ever. Right, cool. That was a very long and in-depth discussion, but I think a worthy one and gives you a good idea of what uh, films we have as some of our favourites and some real highlights of the past 10 years. Now we go on to our end game. What am I into? Let's see. Craig, over to you. Okay, so obviously people... Uh, who are keen listeners to the shows will notice that we don't really put David through his paces that much in terms of the end game. So I've done an end game, uh, which was the Pixar review game, uh, but David hasn't had anything to challenge him. So I've decided to take it upon myself with this being the end of year um, to have the end of year end game. Basically, what I've done is I've created a series of trivia questions based on content from our previous episodes, and I want to see how many David can remember. So you'll note that he's not playing against anyone this is purely to see how much he can remember himself because obviously he's the one editing these episodes he he should know what's going on in these shows uh i have a feeling he doesn't so there are eight questions in total yep and one bonus round at the end cool so these are in no particular order Mm -hmm. so question number one what was the bad review of scream that matt troy overheard in our uh in our horror episode not the halloween special the the yeah. last episode of film talk yeah um was it that um it wasn't even a real ghost the best ever terrible quick review of a horror film i ever heard was um just i was on a bus after i'd watched scream mm. and there was some women sat behind me uh it was a rail replacement bus the worst of all the buses <laughs> and um one of them said, what well, do you think of that scream then? She's like, oh, it's rubbish. You could tell straight away it wasn't a real ghost. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. So that's one point to David so far. Question number two. How many times was the name Peter Cushing said by David <laughs> in, uh, in our Halloween special episode? Because I noted at the time he said it a lot. I want to know if he actually went back and counted how many times. I'm impressed. So there, you have gone number I've on genuinely it. gone through and counted how many times wow, you said okay. the name. This Not, is a multiple choice. <laughs> oh, this. Oh, if you want, I can give you multiple choice. Um, I'm just trying to think off the top of my head. Can I do it mathematically? So like, okay, we had 15 minutes each to talk. I mean, you, you can work it out however you want. Like... Um, <laughs> I don't know. I'm going to go... I'll, I'll guess 25, but if I'm way off, then you can give me multiple choice. Oh, you are way off. Oh, right. I feel like you're way off. Right, okay. okay. So what's the multiple choice? Okay. Is it A, 8, B, 11, C, 14, D, 17? Okay. I'm going to go 14. Oh. <laughs> the answer was B, 11. Oh, okay. Well, it wasn't as... Uh... It wasn't as a, I originally said. I think then. it was a case of you did them a lot. Uh, I, I think it was a case of there were like elements of quick fire for them. So in about five minutes, you said the name about like a good eight yeah, times. I suppose. In and my, then later on, you just brought it up sparingly. This is the version that has Peter Cushing. I can't exactly call myself a Peter Cushing fan. Talking about his relationship with Peter Cushing, um, with him playing Dracula and Peter Cushing playing Van Helsing and Peter Cushing as well. Like 
it just emphasized why I love him so much as talking. Um, and he's talking about uh, Peter Cushing. Like I said, Peter, uh, Peter Cushing and uh, Christopher Lee like go at it so, you know, so professionally. Peter Cushing has some fantastic scenes. Peter Cushing slaps Gerda. Peter Cushing, who's been throughout this film like a very well respectable <laughs> man. He's, uh, Peter Cushing is fantastic. At which point, Peter Cushing just shakes his head. I think in my head, I was probably thinking about how many times I said Christopher Lee as well. So if you combine Peter Cushing and Christopher yeah. Lee. Question number three. What were the first ever films that we put into the movie vault? Okay. Officially, is it? Officially. Officially right. um, that would be Jaws. So there's three answers. Yeah. So it'd be Jaws. It'd be Jaws. Uh did we put the entire Indian Jones franchise or was it? Oh, yeah, I am loving this. Yeah, you say there's three answers though. Is there's it three actually, answers, But yeah. it's three films. No, it's not three films, it's okay, three yeah. answers. So it would be Jaws, the Indiana Jones trilogy mm-hmm. and E... No, Jurassic Park. For Jaws, you are? For Jurassic Park, you are? For the Indiana Jones trilogy, you are... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to give three points for that because that was three individual answers. Yeah. But, yep. So indeed, those were the first free entrance into the movie vault when we officially became well good movies. So uh, going into the film vault this week is Jurassic Park, uh, the Indiana Jones trilogy and... Jaws. Jaws, yes. So into the film vault you go... Yeah, I almost had E.T. there, but I was like, no, I remember it like, scared us too much to put it. Yeah, no, we specific... I, I think when we were discussing it, we basically went, okay, which one should we go in? And the only thing everyone could read inside was, not E.T. <laughs> okay, next question. In our Marvel villains... Oh, no, sorry, Marvel character or not Marvel character, one of the, one of the questions was Mr. Green. Was Mr. Green a Marvel character or not a Marvel character? Uh, he was not a Marvel character. He was a betting agent's character. Yes, he was a betting agency we created ourselves. I say no. Yeah, I'm going to go with no. Okay, so you believe that it's not a Marvel character, and the answer is, it is not a Marvel character. No, (laughs) we've instead chose the betting agent, Mr. Green. Um, What we should point out is there was indeed a Dr. Green, uh, but you uh, you both acknowledged there was a bluff there. Next question. What caused Barney the dinosaur to be the colour that he is? Oh, it's easy. Um, he's eaten flamingos because uh, apparently flamingos are pink as well they eat. Yep, that is that is correct. So the algae that they uh, that they eat has a certain chemical that changes that colour mm. because of your days as a youngster playing zoo tycoon and yeah. just letting dinosaurs into different animal. It discussed. It just created the discussion. Do you know what? I mean, I'm actually really intrigued. Flamingos turn pink because of the things they eat. I just wondered if a dinosaur only was fed on flamingos, would he turn? Pink? Is that what Barney the dinosaur is? <laughs> oh, wow. He's a flamingo. Eater. <laughs> realization here. Wow. All right. So in our halfway through the year episode, we heard from the real experiences Joe Richards about one film that he was watching on Netflix that he hated, which is The Haunting of Sharon Tate. He was describing the particular bad actors and said that it sounded as if they came from somewhere very specific. 
Where did he say that they came from? Well, like a place. Not a place, as in like an area. So you're not thinking of like a country or a town. Uh, Say like, oh, they came from the pub or something like that. Mm Mm-hmm. Obviously, it wouldn't be anything too offensive. To <laughs> um, find too offensive. Yeah. So, so what was he? What was the context again? Sorry, like he was, say, he was that saying that the actors were awful and they sounded as if they came from somewhere. Okay, a council estate. <laughs> that answer is. <laughs> His exact answer was: they sounded like they came next door from an adult film. Um, so I watched that with Hilary Duff, and that was dreadful. Yeah. <laughs> that if, was if you grew so up like bad. me, Disney Channel, come on, people. Yeah, <laughs> the fact you mentioned Hilary Duff, and in my head, I just went awful. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, there are elements of it when I was like, this could be so bad that it's good because I laughed so much. Mm. And it was as if, like, you know, some of the um, stars, I say loosely, have just yeah. kind of wandered next door from an adult uh, video shoot, you know, <laughs> just like literally not even changed their costumes. Uh, I would have accepted from a porn shoot or something. Oh, like okay, that. right. No, I was. That's what I was trying to get at. My was, headspace was completely different with that. You needed to think where do bad actors usually come from? Right. Okay. Okay. Sense, yeah. Okay. Next question. What Batman character did I claim that you were in our Joker episode? Oh, um, I'm trying to think the exact name of it now. The oh, what's his name? That is the question. Yeah, I know it. It's the guy who put the coin in the back cave. It is the penny plunderer. Are you sure? Yes. Or plunderer, 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 penny plunderer. Yeah. Yep, it was the penny plunderer. Cool. Uh, The character's so bad he was written out of continuity. (laughs) Yeah, it doesn't help that the odd things like the Harley Quinn shows come out recently, so loads of villain names are in my head. Yeah. Then, so I, was like, I feel a bit like uh, Batman, who I've assembled. Mate, you're <laughs> yeah. not Batman. If anything, you're more like the Penny Plunderer. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know who that is. Okay, so this is the last official question. Um, this sounds really harsh when I read it, but you'll get it. So this is for two points. Right. Who is my new best friend, and what did they do to claim that title? <laughs> Uh, it is Lewis Hughes, and he guessed the name. Uh, he guessed the answer of Penguin in the Weird. Who's that Pokemon? <laughs> yep, that is indeed correct. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> I feel the Penguin from Batman. Yes. What? <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so like I said, so those are the official questions. So let me just quickly count. Of a potential 11 points, you scored eight. So that's yeah, not bad going. I think pretty reasonable, yeah. Better than my other yeah. game, game endeavors. <laughs> yeah, well, now you have to do for a second bonus game. Yeah. So obviously, I'm a big fan of the end game. After all, I make most of them. Mm. But I want to know how much uh, they had an impact on you. So... Obviously, we're still waiting for the outcome of the winner of our Star Trek endgame, uh, mm. Pitch Please 2. Yeah. Uh, but before that, we had 15 other endgames. What I would like you to do right. is tell me who won them all. Oh, I thought you were going to say the name of each However, one. Oh, not the name of the endgame, no. So, um, so I want to see how many you get and how quickly you get them. So tell me when you think you're finished. Okay. okay? Go. So Matt Troy won the first one. 
Stefanos won the second one. Third one, Lewis won the third one. Fourth one, Dan won that one with the Florida man. The fifth one, you won that one with the Pixar. Uh, then the sixth one, that would be Joe won that one. The seventh one, that would have been... Well, actually, yeah, with that... Oh no, I missed out an episode here somewhere. Um, yeah, I know that I actually technically would have won one from Pitch Please 1. Um, James Gay won uh, one of them with the Finish Our Sentences. Uh, the Muse, uh, Matt won a second time as well when doing the, uh, the Snap one. And. Chris Maxwell won, Ali Trinker won, oh, uh, that's it, Erin won, the Disney sequels won, and the last one is uh, Jake Hart won, the Joker won, and was there a winner? Of, yeah, no, Laura won, the Christmas one. Yeah, and that would be it, I think. Yeah. Okay, so you named 14 of the 15. Right. So the 15 would be the Star Trek, so... Was, no, no, uh, no. Oh. The the Star Trek is the 16th. Oh. You never said who the winner of What's All the David Hassel... What's All the Hasselhoff oh, About? of course, yes. Who was also Laura. Right, okay, yeah. Um, but to get 14 out of 15 correct, it took him 1 minute 29 seconds, which is... It's, it's not bad for... Yeah. Not bad for our Dave. <laughs> yeah. So... All right, so it helped ob- earlier that we went through the entire guest list. Well, I mean, you you did that. Like, yeah. I didn't really do much. So, but okay, so obviously you didn't play against anyone. But I would like I, I did get you a little something. Right. Okay. Um. Obviously, we didn't really talk about it much. But you know, you love Star Wars, and you and you did a good job at memorizing information. So here's some more information with the Star Wars annual for 2020. <laughs> Oh, I haven't had an annual in absolutely years. <laughs> I didn't realise they still did these. Yeah, no, they they still do them. They're uh, it's it's really weird. There are challenges in there like uh, spot the difference and colour the Mandalorian. Yeah, colour Boba Fett. Yeah, I can make my own Boba Fett armor. And at the back of it, it just seems to be posters of the Rise of Skywalker. Pretty much. Okay. It's a lot of concept <laughs> art. Yeah. Always very fun, uh, challenging ourselves on our very own knowledge of our <laughs> very own episodes. Uh, thank you guys for listening to us. Um, we hope you've enjoyed this episode. Obviously, it's been a bit of a longer one with this one because it's been a very in-depth discussion. And we're talking about 10 years of movies and an entire sort of seven to eight months of uh, film talk slash well, good movies at the end there as well. Um, as Craig mentioned before... Uh, as well uh, we will be revealing the winner of pitch please 2 in our next official episode so this one is just sort of like a precursor episode in between our sort of like official shows um, in which we'll find out who had the sort of more preferred pitch from Matt or Di uh, we look forward to that uh, thank you for joining us and listening to us um, if you do have any other opinions or films you would have liked to see put into the movie vault or we would have liked to have mentioned in our films of the decade then pl- please do let us know on all our social medias uh, you can find us at Fresh Take Hub on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and you can catch this podcast at freshtakehub.com slash wellgoodmovies and you can get well good movies on pretty much most of your podcast outlets 
So thank you for joining us. I hope you've had a fantastic 2019. We've had an amazing year. We started the year uh, or started in uh, April with Film Talk. We've had uh, lots of fun throughout the past few months. I want to give thanks to Cardiff Met University for being amazing hosts to record in this show. Today we are doing it from home because it's just the two of us, but usually uh, we are sort of like <laughs> trudging through the university with all our microphones and various end game paraphernalia and uh, mascots, etc. So thank you to them um, and also Lucas Burks, who's the technician uh, at the radio room, who has so kindly, um, you know, set up for us before and uh, puts his time aside to make sure that we've got our time allocated to us. Thank you to all our guests who joined us in 2019 as well. And thank you to all our listeners and to everyone who supports us. We've got lots of stuff coming up in the year. If you are local to Cardiff, we're going to be having... Um, a social event uh, for all the people who are our guests or loyal listeners check it out on our um, Facebook page you can find details there Cray anything else from yourself I think also just thank you to everyone uh, who's commented on any of our posts uh, whether that be uh, any discussions around like the reviews that we've written yeah. uh, as well as like posting on like the, the wider Facebook Cardiff film group Mm. Uh, just with interesting discussions you've given us like a lot of good ideas to work with in the past as well as helpful feedback which uh, is definitely invaluable to us of like thank you and hopefully you know hopefully you enjoy this and uh, we can continue that sort of engagement with you guys going into the new year it's been a great celebration of the year in the past 10 years which you know we've had a lot of like different inputs in but it'll be very fun now when we sort of look hopefully to April in which we'll sort of celebrate our official year of um, running the podcast and like I said, we've made loads of different friends. Um, and as Craig said, we've had, you know, thank you for everyone as well. If you've rated this or subscribed to us on our various podcast outlets, and we've got lots of fun and exciting stuff coming your way. And I'm sure you can agree, Craig, I think the show is better than ever. And we've got some, oh, great, definitely, some yeah. great format and great setups and great um, moments in the show that we really love working on. And I hope you love uh, listening to them as well. So please give us your feedback, subscribe and rate as usual. And we'll have loads of very fun and different stuff coming throughout the year and don't forget like craig also mentioned our reviews we've got rise of skywalker cats black christmas um and we're sure to have many more between recording this uh, like little women etc uh, up on the website right now so thank you guys i hope you had a fantastic 2019 hope you have an amazing 2020 we will be there with you every two weeks to give you interesting and fun topics to talk about and yeah Thank you very much for taking this journey with us. And remember, uh, keep talking movies. And also remember those great films that we talked about from the decade. If you haven't checked any of them out, please do. Uh, Thank you, Craig. And uh, yeah, I look forward to the new year. Thank you, guys. Bye-bye. Bye. How do you even spell Cullinane?